0: what's up everybody hardest part of the ring is here to host the apron bump as per huge and uh boy howdy today it's all about the biggest party of the summer <laughs> actually i don't no, i guess they weren't billing it as that at this point i guess they didn't have the uh i guess that really wasn't a thing until kind of recently um i don't know i guess maybe they were just having a lot of big parties back in 1994 and this wasn't the biggest party so maybe it was just a a medium-sized party but that's not really a good tagline for a for a pay-per-view uh it's you're not gonna get any not gonna get any buys doing that i guess they weren't really getting many buys in 94 anyways but so. I really need to start like having bullet points for these intros because I just end up <laughs> talking to myself. Uh, well, I guess that's the premise of this podcast, isn't it? Uh, whatever. Anyways, I will... Um, as my cat tries to fight off a bug. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, today, SummerSlam 1994. A uh, really good show, actually. You know, I've honestly... Been kind of (laughs) underwhelmed by the these uh you know WrestleMania ten King of the Ring nineteen ninety four they're all like they're all fun to watch in their own ways but it's like man it's like they're missing something for me but SummerSlam ninety four really hit um for the most part at least um it's funny because you know I knew this one was coming up and I was like man all I really know that happens on this show is Owen Hart versus Bret Hart in the cage and undertaker versus undertaker but i don't really remember anything else that happened at SummerSlam 1994 and then i'm watching it and it's like man those two matches literally literally take up most of the show like over an hour and a half is dedicated to owen hart and bret hart and uh taker versus taker which i mean i guess they're the two main events so maybe we'll allocate the most time to that makes sense i guess um but won't ramble on too long, we, because God knows we ramble <laughs> enough in the podcast itself. Uh, I have brought back on Kenny from the Kenny For Your Thoughts podcast. If you haven't listened to his podcast or watched his podcast on YouTube or Twitch or Instagram or OnlyFans or Chatterbait or whatever, whatever services he uses to broadcast his nonsense, give this man a follow. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at... A-K-F-Y-T Wrestling. And um, like I said, a Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast on uh, all podcast platforms. He uh, usually does a live episode every week. Uh, he's been doing some interviews lately as well. Um, but yeah, really fun show to listen to. Not as fun as mine. <clears throat> but <laughs> he's uh, is that a sad dick thing to say. I don't know. But uh, no, him and his co-host Brandon... I uh, have a really really entertaining uh podcast every week so give that a listen in addition to mine don't replace him with me just because we're both vaguely asian and uh you know our first names are south park characters so uh with that i said i wouldn't ramble but here i am rambling again SummerSlam 1994 with myself and kenny from the a kenny for your thoughts podcast
1: and then it would be like weird because you have baby batter all over your face. Hmm. <laughs> this is just a time to be like horny and caffeinated.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's what I was really doing. I was just finishing off a batch in the other room and then, uh, and then when made I- coffee. Yeah. Yeah. The natural progression. <laughs> 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 it's funny. I,
1: I made t-shirts. I actually made a t-shirt for you for Christmas. That says horny, caffeinated, big
0: batches. I already got one of those. Oh well, never mind. Sorry about hey, that. I hope we got the receipt to that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you yeah. ever watch Naked Gun? Uh, a weird segue. Not, not not really a weird segue. No, but- no,
1: no, no. Uh, uh, so na- I never liked Naked Gun, which is super weird because I'm a big like fan of Airplane. So like, yeah. I like you know like Leslie Nielsen. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why I never got into Naked Gun.
0: Yeah, I, I've, I mean, it's been years since I've, I was probably very young when I watched him. I think I feel like I need to give him another chance, but I mean, I could, I could just tell by like the vignettes or whatever that he was doing with The Undertaker that I was like, that's, that's the kind of comedy I can get behind. So, exactly. I mean, th- this show might have sold me on Naked Gun, if nothing else.
1: Exactly. That's the thing, though. I was like maybe five at the time for this show, but like it was funny. He was pretty much parodying his Naked Gun character uh, throughout yeah. this whole, th- the whole build up to SummerSlam. But yeah, for some reason, I just never got into it, you know, because maybe because OJ Simpson was in there and I just didn't want to, you know, I want to be associated with it. That <laughs> famous actor, OJ Simpson. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, let me Google him. I think that's the only thing he's really done. Right.
0: Um, I think he did. He like had a fantasy football league or something. Oh Yeah. 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 He did. He did play football. Yeah.
1: He is was actually he the one that
0: landed on Joe Theismann. Uh. Maybe, I think he decapitated him, actually. I yes. Think the story. Oh, no, wait, that's not him. That was uh, somebody else. Um, I think I'm getting all my my stories mixed up here.
1: A little bit, a little bit. What the hell is this podcast? I got to talk to my <laughs> agent. Why the hell did he put me on it? The- anyway, sorry, Man, sorry. You made a mistake yeah. one time, and now you're making it again. No, don't be talking about my child like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I figured she couldn't hear, so it was okay. What do you mean? She's capable of hearing in both her ears. Man, that's more than I would expect from your spawn. <laughs> you mean my co-host Brandon? Yes, <laughs> on the Kenny for Your Thoughts
1: podcast live this Man. Saturday. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut that out. This fucking guy big know, time out on my podcast. Now. Big <laughs> show, big show. <laughs> Uh, so you said you're what, like four or five when this show happened.
1: Yeah. Five years old when the show happens. Uh, 94 is one of my favorite years of wrestling, uh, which is super weird. Cause, uh, I may have said this in the last, the last time I was here, uh, 93 is a year. I do not remember at all with wrestling. Right. And my friend in high school, who's, who's a big, re- uh, big wrestling aficionado was like, you know what? Like you literally know everything except that year come to realize it's because I lived in England that year. So I really right. didn't watch wrestling because you know you know how wonky the the UK times are. You ever, if you ever hear UK fans, they're like, "Oh, we're watching wrestling at five in the morning."
0: Hey, that's dedication. Yeah, that's
1: more de- dedication
0: than I could ever have.
1: Right at five in the morning, I'm probably just getting to bed after a real big bender. You know, out mm-hmm. partying. You know me.
0: Yeah, especially at five years old. Yeah, or four absolutely. years old, whoever you were. Absolutely, a lot of especially milk. in
1: England. A lot of two percent. <laughs> I am a two percenter. You. You're right.
0: I. <laughs> like that as you will, <laughs> but yeah. Ninety four, like you brought it up, I didn't even realize until I was kind of like thinking about it. But there was like so much stuff happening like around this time of this pay per view because you have like Hulk Hogan debuting for WCW like a few weeks before this. You have uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling starting up around this time, so it's weird to think because ninety four, I feel I've always felt was like a like a dead era. Like, a, like nothing much right. happened Isn't that weird. But it's like, I think it's
1: because a lot of people go just off the WWF, but in the, in the, in the wrestling world, it was like a big year, but it was, it was definitely a hard reset to uh, yeah, for the WWF for sure. because like, this is the quote unquote new generation era. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Hulk Hogan <laughs> went to WCW, so things were changing. So Brett was getting the ball. And I think that's why mm-hmm. people look at it as a lull because, you know, you always have to take a, a step backward to take, you know, two steps forward when it comes to yeah. um, repositioning your wrestlers, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely um, some rebuilding years. I feel like if, it, if sports teams can have re- rebuilding years, I feel like a wrestling promotion should be able to, too. Absolutely.
1: And it's underrated. Like you said, you know, I, we we all sleep on it, but, like, you really look back on it, and it's like, 94 was a really good year for professional wrestling.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, WWF. I mean, it's definitely, like it's either hot or cold, a lot of stuff. But you got, like, the Brett and stuff, you got... Um, I don't know. I can't even think of it. You have the Razor Ramon, the Taker, the
1: Undertaker storyline. I guess man, just, just <laughs> and you all know all around beautiful and SummerSlam in general. So hot, it's scary. I think what well, yeah. was the tagline?
0: <laughs> was that was that actually the tagline? <laughs> That's
1: actually the tagline for SummerSlam '94. Man,
0: some things never change.
1: <sighs> oh man!
0: <laughs> but speaking about super hot, we have our opening match with the (laughs) we have uh the head shrinkers versus irs and bam bam bigelow now fun fact for all you listeners uh so the head shrinkers were the tag team champions right like 48 hours before this or Mm -hmm. whatever and they lost them at a i guess it was a house show or something to uh to sean michaels (laughs) oh man that's like for that name no, I do not. Was that their team name?
1: Yeah, legit. So it wasn't like the uh, the official official name, but like commentary would com- constantly refer to them as two dudes with attitudes. In fact, I'm sure if you
0: Google two dudes with attitudes, it pulls up Shawn Michaels and Diesel. I, I doubt that. I doubt that's going to be the first. <laughs> it's going to give me some links that I do not want to watch. Not I, at 9 I'll take, in the morning. I'll take
1: the bullet. I'll take the bullet. I, I know you will. Two dudes with attitudes. Here we go. Tag team. Formed in the first thing. You're, you're a freaking liar. The first thing that pulls up is, is <laughs> Diesel and Shawn Michaels.
0: Of course it is. We <laughs> should just start our own podcast and call it Two Dudes with Attitudes. We should. And uh, talk about nothing but Bull Nucano. Damn it. You took my joke. I literally was thinking <laughs> it was
1: going to be a Bull Nucano based podcast Joinks. or as or as my typo on twitter one time i said bill nakano which has now become a thing stupid idiot the the
0: male version of of bull nakano (laughs) i mean we don't know her her husband or wife she probably has a wife actually not about it
1: (laughs) actually bull nakano we're, we're we're skipping ahead apparently, but Bull, Bull Nakano is actually very beautiful. Google her, and you'll see that she looks nothing like she did in the wrestling. It's like it's like Google, the current equivalent of googling Abaddon without makeup, and you're like, oh, she's actually really pretty. That's crazy.
0: Mm. I think I prefer Bull Nakano with the makeup. I don't know, it did something to me. Right. I think I discovered stuff about myself watching her match.
1: Me too. It's it, it was really the hairspray. It really the erect hair. <laughs> Oh, come on. I gave you gold just now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you gave me something. You gave me erect. Anyways, so, <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got, we got to hold our boners. We got to hope we got blue yes, balls for a second. Yes,
1: sorry. Sorry. Boners for the head shrinkers. Sorry. Let's shrink our heads. Yes. Let's shrink. Our- <laughs> uh, oh,
0: man. Why did I have you on again? Why did I do this? To because myself? of
1: this kind of conversation. Because I go into territory that your mind goes into, but you don't want to do on air.
0: I'm trying to talk about Rikishi. And you're you're just you're bungling it. Hey, for, whoa, whoa, Fatu, Fatu in is Izzy. How many fucking Fatus are there? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> they they can't think of a name. They just call them Fatu. <laughs> I mean, it's their last name. Damn. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Not enough for me. Not enough for how me. many
1: Joneses are there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> or how many shysters there are? Oh wait, it's just one. So IRS. Mm, good transfer. <laughs> I will say, though, I do love watching Bam Bam Bigelow wrestle because he was like a little bit before my time. Right. So I never really got to watch him like as it happened. And I haven't gone back and watched a lot of his matches. But I feel like it's like like the big man that moves quickly is like yeah. kind of a cliche nowadays. Right. But like back then, like it's it's like his his body type doesn't match. His physical, oh, absolutely. like the things and, he does physically,
1: and he's not even in his prime at this point. Like ninety four, uh, I would say his prime, athletically, I should say, was about ni- uh, ni- 1988. Uh, You go watch like a WrestleMania four; like he's doing handstands and cart, you know, cartwheels everywhere, and, and and toe touches. And I'm like, the hell is this guy, man? Like a four hundred pound pounder doing all this stuff that most normal people can't do. So. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow was something special, like probably the person to compare him to nowadays would be Keith Lee. But even then, Keith mm-hmm. Lee doesn't do uh, half the stuff Bam Bam Bigelow did. So that's a that's a credit to, to Bam Bam.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's like a quickness that Bam Bam has. That's right. Just an ridiculous. explosiveness. So like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, honestly, I, I saw this match on paper and I was like, this is going to shit the bed. But watching it, I was like, this is kind of a it's kind of a fun match. Um, well, ultimately the ending, it's kind of a dumb finish. It's just a DQ finish with like all the managers getting involved and well, it's you a whole hullabaloo. Right?
1: So, so kind of what you were alluding to earlier, which was they had dropped the titles at a house show to, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels and diesel. So hmm. supposedly, and again, maybe we're skipping ahead, but you know, obviously stuff is happening with the corporation at this event. Supposedly Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS were supposed to win the tag titles was the original plan to make the corporation storylines look a little bit stronger. Uh, but obviously they gave it to diesel and Shawn Michaels because they want, you yeah, know, because the click is the click. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I, apparently Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. has actually said for the record, like he, he had no influence over that, but he and the click got a lot of heat because it was looked at as, Oh, they politic to
0: win the titles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of like the beginnings stages of that. Like, right. you know, you're going to see a lot of their, Influence on the wrestling business for like the the last half of this decade,
1: right? Really. Exactly, exactly. So this this right here, I mean, uh, IRS and Bam Bam are definitely the casualties, first casualties of
0: of the click there. Yeah, I still think you could have given them a win, maybe. You know, even though if it's if it's not the titles, maybe uh maybe they want to keep the head shrinkers strong too. And but if that's the case, like why even book the match? They, you they,
1: know? Right, they booked themselves into a corner by having yeah. Shawn Michaels and Diesel win the titles a couple days before and then you have this match already advertised it's like what can you really do throw the fucking the mounties in there and have them take the I'm fall the or mounties. something all, I'm the mounties We're the mounties We're not the mounties <laughs> We're not the mounties <laughs>
0: <laughs> So stupid <laughs> Are they even stuck cuz they were at WrestleMania Yeah I don't I think remember we, if I don't at, even think they're a team at this point I think one of them one of the are they both Rougeau no,
1: no no, you're talking about what, what basically PCO. So Carl o- Olette, right. I think he's in like ECW or something at this point, isn't he?
0: I think so. I think the other guy is like a like a announcer or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jacques Rougeau definitely went to went on to do like commentary for the WWF in the mid 90s. Yeah, and then PCO
0: went, you know, 40 years later Went crazy. won the ROH title. Right. <laughs> it's so, so crazy. Funny.
1: He's like he's like 147 years old
0: at least. At least, at least now's the time to put the title on him. Actually, a couple years later, he'd be stealing Bret Hart's jacket.
1: I've never seen a storyline where it's like you stole my jacket and you're a pirate, so I'm going to fight you. There's, you know, you spilled coffee on me. Let's fight for three months. I mean, see that makes sense because coffee, like coffee, is like the seed of of, of the Lord. I mean, uh, yeah, that's weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> coffee's amazing though i can understand that but a, but a, but a jacket
0: with little frills on the side so you don't you don't like brett's jacket oh, i love brett's so, jacket.
1: is that what you're saying i love brett's jacket but but still
0: is that the scoop i'm getting on this podcast <laughs> that kenny from kenny for your thoughts doesn't like brett hart's jacket me and brett hart have heat over that jacket actually because he stole it out of my mom's closet oh <laughs> how dare you <laughs> speaking of your mom's closet we have the <laughs> WWF Women's Championship on the line here right. in this next match.
1: I refuse to record after this. This is this is this is the main <laughs> event as far as I'm concerned. Uh I
0: really like it, honestly though. Like we joke about Bull Nakano, but this match is actually like very out of place great. Yes, not, absolutely. Not great, but, pr- but pretty good.
1: And just to give, I mean, just to give backstory on the on the state of the women's division, I mean, there was no women's division, you know. That's they were treated as the right, They were treated as second-class citizens, you know what I mean? So, uh, Alundra Blaze Medusa came in with, with a lot of fanfare, and she's wrestling um, you know, someone she's familiar with, which is Bull Nakano, which fun yeah. fact, Bull Nakano was the first Japanese bo- uh, born wrestler to ever challenge for a title at this event.
0: Yes, she was. Oh, did yes, she you, was? You were gonna say? Oh, my bad. No, I mean they <laughs> said it on the <laughs> they said it on the show and commentary. I think didn't they. Yeah. So, um,
1: and if anyone's sitting there going, "What about Yokozuna or Mister Fuji?" They were born in like California and like Hawaii,
0: respectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so, Yokozuna isn't even Japanese, right? So. Exactly.
1: So, just any, in case anybody's trying to fact check me, trust me. Just trust oh, me. I don't eat, no no Google right here. Just trust me. I I know my stuff. Straight off the dome. <laughs> right.
0: Bigger Daddy Nakano. Um, <laughs> Tell people why you called me that. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm just going to leave it there with no context. <laughs> Let's I'm going to I'm gonna listen to this back like, what the hell was I talking about?
1: <laughs> it is my name for this
0: call, just for what that's that, 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 That's his actual name. Actually. Yes, my legal name. Bigger is his first name. <laughs> and then, you know, I get the rest. But speaking about Bigger, man, Bull Nakano. She is... Uh, This is actually my first this first time watching Bull Nakano for me, honestly, and I can see where your sexual fascination with her comes because, uh, man, she thick and
1: um, (laughs) (laughs) I even say that for some reason, Bull Nakano has just become like my my inside joke that no one understands. It's like my own inside joke. So anytime on Twitter, when someone's like, who's the greatest wrestler ever, I'm like Bull Nakano or like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> it's like I, It's Nakano is my answer to wrestling anything.
0: It's a surefire way to stop any conversation. Absolutely. And
1: the funny part is uh, Rachel Ellering, Paul Ellering's daughter, I had said something about Bull Nakano, and she really is into Bull Nakano. So she retweeted what I was saying and then randomly sent me a picture. She's like, I have a Bull Nakano lawn gnome. And she sent me the picture. <laughs> Super weird, but so fun to have. I was like, you know what? All the Bull Nikano jokes were worth getting that picture of that gnome. Do
0: you have one now? Do bull I have a gnome?
1: I'm I'm painting it myself. It is a oh, little yeah. project I'm doing. Um You're you're molding it out of clay? Uh yes. Uh, it's not done yet though. I can't get the hair right. It's a tough one. You
0: need yeah. a lot of a uh, lot of gorilla glue for that. Yeah. Yeah, I need to add mold,
1: yeah. uh, the mold uh the hat into hair basically. Mmm. Now I want to do that. Damn it. Now I want to go get a lawn gnome and like repaint it to like bull Nakano.
0: You should, you should. I'll have you on again. And then you'll give us the update on your gnome status. <laughs> That'll take us through the thing, process. Thing on social media. Love it. I love it. It'll catch on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Trade Um, So yeah, this match, honestly, yeah, like, like we alluded to earlier, a really good women's match in an era where you did not see that at all. all right i mean like wrestlemania 10 was the last time i remember seeing alundra blaze like and in that this match was time stupid period.
1: let's be honest like they had Le- leilani kai or whatever come back
0: after like 10 years exactly it was essentially just like a novelty you know oh this lady was at the first wrestlemania exactly and oh hey let's have a women's
1: women's match it's like such a yeah. throwaway which is sad like to think that the state of the, the women's division then And, you know, it didn't last long. I mean, Lendra Blaze was the women's division. Obviously, Uh you know what happened with her. She took the title, dumped it in the trash, which I feel set the
0: women's division back, you know, for
1: at least in terms of the WWF. Yeah, Um, for sure.
0: For at least like, you know, three or four years after that. Right. And uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it didn't start picking up again until like, you know, I would say Trish Lita, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it's crazy to think about how many years that was in between.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I will say, you know, Alundra Blaze wins this match in particular uh, with a beautiful German suplex. I know you were hot that Bull oh, Nakano lost. Bridging. That bridge, That I can't
1: even be mad at that bridge suplex because it, it is so... Uh, I
0: framed and hung on my wall. Oh my
1: God, she, she hits like the best German suplex. And then, uh, I mean, I, I need you, since she accompanied Bull Nakano, I think I need your best Luna Vachon impression.
0: Well, Kenny... From Kenny thoughts. I don't know. I'll get you. Yeah.
1: You think that's a sex noise too? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. Ask Bam Bam Bigelow. Because the okay. because, because, funniest thing, it's such an inside joke between a friend and I, but the whole uh, WrestleMania 10, accompanied by his main squeeze, Luna Vashon. Oh,
0: no.
1: Howard Finkel saying it too makes it all the better.
0: I think Howard Finkel had hair on that. On that show, so it was all. Oh yeah, that's not. It even was, it was all that. downhill. It was Let's, all.
1: Please, please, just never mention the hair, the hair, and the the tuxedo matches. And no, nothing, none of that.
0: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> when does that happen? The tuxedo match.
1: I think that was WrestleMania ten, if I'm not mistaken. Was it? Yeah. Sadly, yeah, I block, block that out. I it watched was, that a few uh, months ago. Harvey Whippleman, Harvey Whippleman, and uh, I might have to Google this one. Harvey Whippleman and I think. Tuxedo, and this is yeah WrestleMania. Oh, well WrestleMania ten was when he tore up Fink's tuxedo, and And I guess they had planting
0: the seeds.
1: And now listen to this: it culminated in a tuxedo match on the January 9th, nineteen ninety five edition. So this was a six month build.
0: So we're (laughs) still getting there. We're still building our way to the. That's what this whole show is.
1: This whole show, uh, SummerSlam ninety four is a build to the inevitable match between. Harvey Whippleman and Howard Finkel,
0: man, Crazy. the show just keeps adding layers, <laughs> keeps adding layers. <laughs> exactly.
1: But <laughs> well, Bull Nakano lost, so unfortunately, there was some sadness at the show too.
0: Some sadness, and yeah, uh, one thing I did like n- notice about this match, I guess the whole show in general, is that the crowd was like super hot for it, and it's like because
1: well, it's SummerSlam, it's the hottest event of the summer.
0: Yeah. A bad joke, I know. Next match. Um.
1: <laughs> no, but you were. You're, it's funny you were saying it. I was. I, I've watched. You know, truth be told, I didn't. I didn't go back and watch SummerSlam '94. It's an event that, like, I used to rent from the video store growing up often, and I've watched it multiple times on the WWF network. And something I recently uh, noticed, like you said, it, it's so funny because it's like, let's be blunt. It's not the best event ever, but the crowd is no. so hot, and it's yeah. like. I missed that kind that time period where people were just hot for professional wrestling. And it's like, it didn't even matter like what happened at the event. They were just like completely unglued and fun yeah. fact. I don't, I don't know why I know this, but fun fact uh, this was at the United center in Chicago. So that, uh, that venue had open, only opened up 11 days before. So maybe that's, that's why they were super hot, but uh, they've never gone back. They've always used like uh I Rosemont. don't know what's called yeah I don't know what's called now but yeah the Rosemont Horizon right. um they've only used that so they have not used this arena again
0: It's probably cheaper I would assume being I, I would right assume outside that Chicago and,
1: I assume uh, scheduling too cuz obviously you got to deal with right. the, like sold games and things like that
0: Yeah yeah and I guess you know Chicago's has always been a wrestling town so that contributes a lot to why the crowd was so hot too Right But yeah you're so, right I mean like a crowd can make or break uh, a show because, like, WrestleMania 10, for the most part, the sh- the, the crowd was pretty dead. But, Which like, is I was weird. See- it's New York, yeah, it's New York and it's WrestleMania. And I mean, the matches were about as good as they were on this show for the most part. So, it's right. like really Just shows like how important it is,
1: exactly. It and that's why, like, you got to give kudos, like, currently in the pandemic era to yep. like these wrestlers doing such a good job without a crowd. It, it's it's unsettling. I mean, you can see in this show SummerSlam 94 that people are stepping up their performance because of how uh, hot the
0: crowd is. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, just snowballs and makes everything better. Yeah. Um, including this next match <laughs> for the Intercontinental Championship. We have Diesel, the champion versus Reza Ramon or however, however he talks. Um, do we have uh is that name? <laughs> so they had Walter Payton yeah. out there, not art Donovan, which they sad. Hey,
1: how much uh, how how much can this uh, razor fella cut
0: huh oh no he's not he's not that clever, I don't think he'd ah, just it. be like hey what's the what's the deal with the hair on his face hey
1: how much uh much grease is this guy have in his hair huh well what is he like uh, like a gas station or something <laughs> <laughs> Was he Italian? or you Grease You said something really ridiculous like that. Very much very like, much Whoa, so. That that is racist, Art Donovan. Stop. Very,
0: very offensive <laughs> and nonsensical.
1: <laughs> but speaking of which, Walter Payton with his full faced uh razor razor shirt, it just jumps at my mind. Uh like I don't need to go pull that up. I just remember Razor's big old face being on Walter Payton's chest.
0: Are you <laughs> gonna say like oozing machismo or something? Damn it.
1: Damn it, he was using machismo. God, Walter um, Payton looked ridiculous this. This was the definitely the
0: mid nineties here. He looked like small in comparison to everybody else, which is hilarious considering he's a football player, right? But you then you start realizing like Razor's like six six,
1: Diesel's like six yeah. ten at least. I know it's they advertise him as seven foot. Sean Michaels is not even is on the smaller end of things as a wrestler at the time, and he's six one. You know what exactly. I mean? So, yeah. uh, and Shawn Michaels was probably the most jacked he's ever been at this time. So, Walt, yeah, Walter Payton definitely Isn't everybody. Yeah. He was definitely out of place here, which is so weird. Like you said, he is a football player.
0: But I will say this, though. This is like where you use a local football player, not in commentary. Right. We talked about this before, randomly, even though we weren't talking
1: about King of the Ring 94. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, this is how you use a, a local legend. You have them manage, come out with a hot superstar, you know, so that they can add some credibility there as opposed mm-hmm. to doing commentary all night. Dude,
0: oh half the crowd doesn't even know you're sitting there. It's it's a whole, it's just a shit show. But yeah, I mean, Walter Payton, you know, he comes out with Razor and the crowd pops hard. And then uh, automatically at that point, you, you got your money's worth with him because it's really all he needs yep, to be exactly. there for is that local, you know, add a local uh, charm to yeah. the match, I guess. Couple
1: pictures. You know, with the with the uh the new champ, but I mean that's about it. You know what I mean? He did his job.
0: Couple like little minor involvements in the match and you get yeah, like I right. said, a few pictures and they like, good show put in the newspaper or whatever whatever they had in nineteen ninety four. Newspapers. That's really all it needs. Definitely newspapers. What the hell are those? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is now. <laughs> that's why I used to clean up cat shit. So speaking of cat shit, we have Diesel versus <laughs> Razor Ramon here. It was not that bad of a match. <laughs> not it's bad. No, I know, uh, yeah, I will say, like, again, like, like the opening match, I enjoyed this more than I anticipated that I would. Um, a lot of it's probably the crowd. Uh, a lot of it's, you know, both these guys, Diesel and Razor, super young here and probably in their, at least close to their physical prime. And uh, I, I assume both are pretty hungry at this point, even though, you know, Click and all that, um, once again, we have the click in the spotlight here, but I know both these guys probably want to show they they know the spotlight that they have, and they're probably going to show out as much as they can. Uh, but yeah, the end of this match, the real story, honestly, of this match is uh, Sean Michael, the ref's distracted or whatever. Maybe Walter Payton tackled him and he's you know harassing him on the floor or whatever. Um, Sean Michaels gets in the ring. He goes to kick Razor Ramon. Razor ducks out of the way. And then Sean kicks, kind of, he kind of kicks Diesel, (laughs) knocks him out, and then uh, Razor pins him for the win. So, Razor, for one, Razor wins the IC title here. But the bigger story is that this is the beginning of the breakup between Sean and Diesel. Right. So, yeah, a lot going on.
1: They had teased it in 94. They had... um You know, obviously at the Royal Rumble, he kicked out Diesel and stuff like that. So they had planted little seeds, and this, like you said, was the start of you know them actually breaking up. Um, You know, it's kind of weird. Like you forget that, like Diesel doesn't win the title. The Diesel wins the title short, like a couple months later after this. You know, like it's Mm -hmm. like the time frame when you think about it. Like I thought Diesel like started getting over maybe uh, uh, you know another year or so, but like less than six months he's a champion
0: well how long has he been in the company at this point it's probably like a year right okay
1: i'm not gonna accept that unless you ask it as uh art donovan
0: how how this big fellow with the funny pants how long is he how long has this guy been here is he wrestling uh, art donovan that's diesel <laughs> oh okay
1: who's this uh trucker fellow with the uh with the frills uh <laughs> this noise he, is hurting my ears. Why is the why is it so loud? What's this, truck noise, uh, what's the, what's this guy This out of it, that's diesel, yeah. Uh but, no, uh yeah, he's been he was pretty much handpicked from WCW by Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels saw him and said, We we need I want that guy as my heater. And uh so he's been a, about a year, year and a half.
0: Because I'd, I'd looked up SummerSlam 93 just like a, to look at the card just for my own entertainment. And I think he was still with Sean at that point. Yeah. And I think he
1: just started with Sean. That's when he had the slick back mullet and stuff like that. You know, That's when he was still talking like
0: like a Miami guy or whatever accent he was trying to oh have. Oh, my God.
1: It, oh man, I forgot about that. that yeah, if you go look cool. at his like
0: early promos, he talks like Razor Ramon st- pretty much. He still had
1: that like Vinny Vegas accent from WCW.
0: Yeah, he was a combination of Vinny Vegas and the uh, what was, what was the wizard character he had? Oz, Oz. Yes, it was it was an amalgamation of all that plus Diesel, and that's what came out of his stupid mouth. That's a big word, amalgamation. I couldn't spell it. I don't yeah. even know if I pronounced it right, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like big vocabulary and boldenkana. Does if, if anyth- I know anything about you, you like it big and you like it bull. <laughs> Speaking of big bulls. We got the next match here. <laughs> um, Lex Luger versus Tatanka. Man, oh man, weird match. A Weird match and a weird storyline. I guess not that weird, but just kind of no. It was, silly. it was weird.
1: It was weird. It was kind of weird. It kind of took. I feel like it took the wind out of uh, Lex Luger's sails. Uh, because I I I saw the storyline live, mm-hmm. and I remember it being awkward because. I think they did something that they didn't realize would happen. Uh, I know they were trying to add layers to this, but let, let's recap. Lex Luger was set to win the title at uh, WrestleMania 10. Last minute kind of went to Bret Hart and they decided Bret Hart was the guy. So Lex Luger was going to be the guy that picked the ball up and ran with it after Hogan left. And mm-hmm. so now they're taking him in another direction. And to be honest, as a fan, as a five-year-old fan, I was behind Lex Luger and then they did this storyline where they tease like he was turning heel and he was going to be a bad guy. And I, I, he fell out of, uh, you know, that, that baby face role for me. I, I literally stopped liking him after this, regardless of, of the results of this storyline. He, they literally made me not like Lex Luger.
0: Yeah, I mean, even like best case scenario, it probably plants a seed of uncertainty in right. the fans that really right. love Lex Luger. And when you when you watch this match and you, you see these, these guys come out, I mean, both of them get like mixed reactions at best. Right. It, that's
1: that's kind of what I'm insinuating. It's like it's a weird thing because even regardless of who turned heel in this, it was like you took the momentum out of the other guy, too. And, and my, and let's recap, I guess, a storyline, which was, it was teased that like Lex Luger was going to the corporation and, and, and Ted DiBiase was insinuating like, oh, this is, you know, he, he's coming over to, to my team Mm. and, and Tatanka is burying him literally like saying things like you sold out, you were supposed to be the hero and you've turned your backs on, 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 you turned your back on all these fans. And, and yeah, so there was a lot of disparaging remarks about Lex Luger at this time. So I guess, I don't know if he had real life heat uh, in this situation or, or what, like Vince lost faith in him, but yeah, this definitely
0: took the wind out of his sails. I, I feel like it's probably a combination of that. And kind of what you alluded to earlier, they probably saw this going a different way. Um, because, you know, to kind of expand on the storyline that you were kind of laying out there. So like Ted DiBiase would, you know, put money like a stack of money in, uh, Lex's hands. And then Tatanka would see it and be like, Hey, what the hell? Yeah. You're with him. And then right. he would, you know, Lex would be yelling at, uh, ted in his locker room and then Tatanka would barge in like hey what are you doing you're in the million dollar man's locker room or um whatever you know um (laughs) throwing spears at him and all that you know (laughs) and then (laughs) so it's like all these little seeds getting planted that like oh is lex like the viewer the watching it because i did watch you know some of the rolls leading up to this and it's like i feel like the viewer should be able to kind of infer that he's not with the corporation and that Tatanka is just like a miscommunication between Tatanka and him. So, you know, ultimately, you know, the match ends up, it has, ends up happening. It, it is what it is. It's a lot of just weak clotheslines and, you know, racist chops. And because <laughs> he's Native American, so all he does is chop, right? Oh, man, we so, should start a
1: podcast called Racist Chops. I think that already exists. Sound- That's. Is it really? Does it really? No, no. I mean, it may be. <laughs> I haven't researched it. <laughs> it just sounds like it. I don't know. It's not even the racist part
0: of it. Just racist chops. It just sounds like it flows. <laughs> it sounds like, a, like a heavy metal band or something. Right. So yeah, the match happens. Um, and then Tatanka ultimately wins with a schoolboy as a uh, DBS. Who's ringside Ted DiBiase, He He's distracting Lex Luger. Uh, the rolls up behind him, rolls him up for the win. And then uh, after the match, you know, Lex is kind of yelling at Ted DiBiase, like, why'd you distract me, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Tatanka's hem- hemming it up in the
1: background. He's got the hands on the hips. He's got the hands up and he's like shaking his mm-hmm. head like what, what happened kind of thing.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you know, looking at it in hindsight, I probably should have seen it coming because I did watch I a show like it a few I mean, days I, ago.
1: I didn't see it coming either. I mean... So, I mean, don't, don't feel too bad. Cause I don't, I don't know. This is the time when kayfabe's like really, really heavy. So like, I, I don't think I would have, I would have been like, yeah. oh, it's a Tonka, you know, he's going to, he's going to turn heel. Like, no, I, I didn't see, especially he was native American. You know what I mean? Like he had this positive character. Mm-hmm. I, he's I pretty much like, been
0: a baby face this whole time there. Right. right?
1: Undefeated uh, at, for a long time. So I, I didn't see this coming. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, he does the double ax handle I Think Right. That
0: just. Something hits, like that, yeah.
1: Hits like Sluger so in the back, turns heel. Hits another a few Samoan drops. I think that was bad though. You have like I don't know, in my opinion, you have a Native American like selling out for money. Like I thought it was yeah. like <laughs> probably the wrong move
0: for like that culture. I didn't even think of it that way, but god damn it.
1: I thought about it like that. I was like, man, that is that is not like a positive look for that culture, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean is this is this when Tatanka like has like the black face paint? Like his ah, whole face is black.
1: No, no. So believe it or not, I think that was like 2006 on his second return.
0: Uh, you know like what? It match. is.
1: Yeah. That <laughs> was like right so before three. he left when he turned heel again for some odd reason.
0: I forgot that happened. Man. What a time that was. <laughs> <laughs> Weird time. Uh, CS so yes, Tatanka wins and then he turns heel after the match. And I will uh, continue to watch and see how that unfolds. But I have not heard good things about Tatanka's heel run. Cause like you said, it just didn't really fit his character. I don't think
1: exactly. And I, and I think that's what it was, was like, you knew that like the man behind the character didn't feel it. And, and I think yeah. that's the problem there. Like he was a very strong baby face. Like he really was. And people forget that, you know, there was a time period in WWF where like your mid card baby faces got some of the loudest reactions and yeah. Tonka was definitely up there. Um, and yeah, so for them to kill like this, this hurt everybody involved. I right. mean, you, Tatanka went into the corporation, became nothing, became like an afterthought. Um Lex Luger never really regained momentum and then would obviously leave to WCW the next year because of it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this was this, you know, as much as as, as a kid, I was fond of the storyline. I look back on it. And I'm like, man, this was like definitely the, uh you know, this was a snowball effect on their careers in the WWF there. And then, yeah, it really was. Yeah, it's it's bad.
0: I mean, yeah, because like it's you know essentially a mid card match, and I can appreciate you know them you know putting effort to creating a storyline for it, and not just another, not just a Jeff Jarrett versus Mabel kind of match. Um, so they had a storyline in place, and I could see like where they thought it would go. Like everybody would hate Tatanka, and he would have all this heat, and then Lex Luger would be you know have all that sympathy, and then people would really get behind Lex Luger. But ultimately, it just it was a lot of indifference for both guys and like you said it pretty much just imploded both their wwf careers i think i feel like if they
1: had done the opposite kind of storyline it would have been better as in like yeah a a heel turning babyface kind of thing like i feel like it would have gained momentum i don't know but maybe it could be that they booked booked it wrong with lex luger like i feel like lex should have come out of this on top more but then, yeah. of course, that buries to Tonka. So it's like it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's just like a in, in hindsight, probably a bad bad thing to do.
0: Yeah, wrong puzzle pieces, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe an, an okay concept, but uh,
1: speaking of wrong puzzle pieces,
0: <laughs> it's a big puzzle piece. We got <laughs> Jeff Jarrett versus Mabel. We have uh, is he even Jeff Jarrett at this point, or is he double J? double J double J
1: double J but you know why this match was so like awkward and random why is it that? was like they have been building a storyline with Doink the clown this whole time right and okay. all of a sudden it gets to SummerSlam don't know why it just ends up being uh, it just ends up being Mabel because
0: yeah my, I, I noticed that too and my first thought was like okay maybe they just want to get Mabel out there they want to get him over maybe Vince is high on Mabel Um. But then he just fucking loses this match. Um, yeah, I mean, the match is what it is. It's pretty short. Uh, Mabel misses like a leg drop onto Jeff Jarrett, and then Jeff Jarrett just rolls him up for the win. So it's a pretty, you know, anticlimactic. There wasn't even a climax to be had, I guess. But <laughs> what you got for us? What you got for us? Nothing. I got nothing for Man, that was match. a volleyball. I don't even talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, Jeff Jarrett is just a guy that's like, I don't know, man. I, I liked I double J had some appeal when like Colonel Parker got brought in and he had like the the best wrestler, the best entertainer, and that whole that Jeff whole Jarrett deal. But even man, that,
1: and he was always solid. I I actually didn't hate Jeff Jarrett as much as other people did, but uh, yeah, he never seemed to crack the glass ceiling. And the only time he really did was when he was on top of his own company. Um, so yeah. yeah, he was always weird, but in hindsight, it's like, I appreciate Jeff Jarrett a lot more than I did back in like 94 a- mm-hmm. at just how good he was at being a chicken shit heel.
0: Yeah, no, it's like his psychology was always on point. I kind of compare him to, <laughs> to Cody Rhodes sometimes. Yeah, no, no, it's a good comparison. Because they're both, you know, you know, great talkers. They they both understand, you know, when they're building the storyline, they're building up to a match. They have, they both have great grasps on that, and they're both really good at executing that. But when it comes to, you know, actually, you know, bell to bell stuff, I have a tough time caring about either. I get what well, you're more saying. more more so Jarrett and Cody because Cody's I would say Cody's better than Jeff Jarrett. I just putting that out there, but you can call him um, Cody
1: Rhodes again. WWE let him have the trademark. He announced oh, that last night.
0: That's right. Did he actually say it? I haven't watched Dynamite yet. Did he say uh, it on Dynamite?
1: He didn't say it on Dynamite. He said it on post-show. So, I guess they probably are getting the legality of it together. But he did flat out say, like, I'm proud to announce I have two names again. And so, of course, almost, the crowd said Cody Rhodes instantly.
0: It's like, it's kind of weird at this point, though, I feel like, to call him Cody Rhodes. It, it,
1: I, I feel the same way. And then I start realizing, like, it was weird to not let him have Rhodes to begin with. Because it's just one of those right. names where it's like, I feel like you know, you don't do that to a Rhodes, a flare, you know, or a heart. I mean, I guess heart's different because it's the, the real name, but yeah. um, like, you just don't do that. That's like wrestling royalty. But speaking
0: of which. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like what? <laughs> Fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> and pick up what I'm putting down. Oh, so say it again. Say it again. Say it again.
1: Okay, let's try. But speaking of heart.
0: Well, we got the, 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 the some hearts in this next match was that good did yes. i nail it amazing absolutely I'm, I'm, great i'm a really really good broadcaster <laughs> so <laughs> this is the mess so you this do, this whole show
1: you, you do me a favor actually like since i paused it. right there could you pause uh i have to help my daughter like uh
0: are my- you saying you like your daughter more than me yes you but- tell your daughter you're on a, a world acclaimed podcast right now and she can wait so <laughs> Sorry
1: about that. The one thing I needed her not to do was... What did she do? Was poop, but she did. So she couldn't wipe herself.
0: <laughs> well, you tell somebody not to poop, they're going to poop. You're right. You're right. That, that was my mistake. Damn it. <laughs> but speaking about poop, this match was not poop. It was the... Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like I was saying earlier, this this whole show was yeah. pretty much centered around two matches. Absolutely. And it was funny because I, I was watching it. I, I, was, I watched half like one night and then half the, the morning after. And then the first half was everything we just talked about. And then the second half, like the whole half of the show was Bret Hart versus Owen Hart and Undertaker versus Absolutely. Undertaker. I mean, this match is like like half an hour or more. At, at least. And then you have the Taker entrances and all the, the presentation of all that and the, the lead Leslie Nielsen. Stuff like that—that that, that all took like an hour and a half, hour forty-five.
1: It's, tr- it's so true. Like you, if people go back and watch it, you're not exaggerating at all. That w- the second half was no. two matches,
0: it was. It li- I mean, I literally I looked at the timestamp. I was like, "Holy shit! That there can't be just two <laughs> matches left." Like how? Because I've never seen this cage match before. You've never seen this cage match? No, and I've always heard about it, but I've never like this gone and be, watched it. Oh,
1: man, this might be my. My macho man versus Ricky Steamboat match. Like this is like the match that like I remember thinking like, oh, like I'm a fan. Yeah. And oh, I want I would do this one day if I could, you know, that sort of thing. So this right. is the match, man. This and, is, yeah, uh, I
0: mean it was it was incredible. I mean, you know, just watching it for the first time and like watching a cage match like when cage matches weren't as, you know, prevalent and as cliche as they are today. Right. They they didn't just happen. They they were like culminations yes. of feuds. Exactly. And this feud is why so acclaimed. I mean, it was it was a slow organic build for like what a year or so at least. I mean, when you start with whatever Owen Hart started getting resentment against Brett. When he kicked uh, Brett's leg out of his leg. <laughs> was that was that ninety three? Oh my
1: god. Uh so I think Survivor Series ninety three to beat. Damn, Damn it, back. I missed it. Oh, uh, it was, well it. no survivor series 93 sorry was the when he the initial uh, uh what do you call it dissension happened uh right. it was rumble 94 when when the knee out of the knee thing <laughs> <happened>. right? <laughs> <laughs> or the, that's why i kicked your leg out of your leg uh, you could I tell love- like when he it's escaping his mouth that he already realizes yes. it's coming out wrong
0: not to say he's like
1: leg <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, he's like that, 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 that downwind. Like, <laughs> that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. <laughs> uh,
0: poor Owen. <laughs> oh man, the, I think the only thing, maybe worse than that, is the Booker T, the Hulk Hogan thing. Which I think
1: was the same year, which is
0: crazy. It may have been. It was that same, like, oh, he just rubs his hands, like, and looks at the ground, like, oh, didn't say that. Didn't say that. And
1: then Mean Gene trying to save it. Take a look at this. Take a look. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know it. how Sherry Martel and, and, like, Stevie Ray and stuff just all looked at the camera straight and was fine.
0: You know, that's probably how they just talked backstage. So it probably <laughs> didn't even we Just call register. Hulk Hogan the N-word. Like, it's Okay. <laughs> Man, that, that's some long-term storytelling it's incident. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, great. But that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, what that, we're here to talk yeah. about. That, that's
1: definitely racist chops. We will save that for
0: <laughs> racist chops. Our uh, our offshoot. Uh, what do you our call it?
1: Available on our Patreon. Uh, man. Brought to you by Bill Nakano featuring the apron bump here.
0: <laughs> I hate all of this. I hate all of this that we're doing right now. Just scrap this, brother, brother. Yeah, let's <laughs> try again another day. <laughs> But God damn it, man, this cage match. Um, Amazing. For, first, I will say, I like, so you have Owen Hart win the King of the Ring a few months prior to this. I like the King of the Ring winner getting a SummerSlam world title shot. You, you know, I will say one thing. I think this
1: is one match I think that deserves us talking a little bit about the build because uh, it's not yeah, even the, sure. the match. Um, let's talk, first of all, I want like current fans who may not Maybe like, ah, well, I don't understand the importance. This kind of was the, you know, 94 equivalent of Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns. Uh, just kind mm-hmm. of in a flip scenario with, uh, you know, the up and comer being the heel. Um, this was a story I think everybody was able to sink their teeth into because who doesn't have like a bigger brother or something that they're jealous of? or right. You know, it's relatable or like that. Or it's, it's very, very relatable. And Owen Hart was in the shadow of Bret Hart. And wanting to do good things and feeling like I can't get my career started because every time every time I do good, here's freaking Bret Hart to do better than me, you know. Yeah. So obviously got jealous. Um, the The one thing I, I want to touch on WrestleMania ten. Got to you got to talk about the one of the greatest wrestling storylines. How this built up was literally. Uh, I, I I don't want to make this too long, but. Rumble winners were Bret Hart and Lex Luger simultaneously. So the way that was um, decided was Lex Luger would challenge. A, it's a coin toss that decided it, but Lex Luger would challenge for the title first against Yokozuna that the winner of that match would face Bret Hart later in the night. Mm-hmm. The, so what they did, obviously that's not fair to Bret Hart because, or, or to Lex and Yokozuna, I should say, because Bret Hart's only going to be wrestling once. They added a second match for Bret Hart. So ingenious opening match, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Mm -hmm. The best thing about that, Owen Hart beats Bret Hart. End of the night, clean. And I'm I'm talking clean, no shenanigans. Basically showing you like, oh, he is better than his brother. So now we build to Bret Hart winning the title off of Yokozuna at the end of the night. All the wrestlers, the babyface wrestlers, empty out of the locker room. They're holding Brett up in Madison Square Garden to fanfare. And out comes, literally, in the shadows, out comes Owen Hart. And if you look at it, he, he, what he's mouthing, he's going, but I beat you at the beginning of the yeah. night. I That's
0: beat not you. Enough. Not enough. Still in the shadows.
1: Yeah. And literally, everybody's, the spotlight's on Brett, and he's literally in the shadow of Brett Hart. And mm-hmm. it's one of the greatest storylines of professional wrestling history. But let's fast forward now. Like you said, he not one uh, own heart. I should say one King of the ring 94, which Brett had done in 93. So yep. now he's calling himself the King of hearts, which is an obvious shot at Brett Hart. And so now we're building to SummerSlam 94, where a lot of people are thinking, Owen's got a chance because he beat Brett clean. He's now challenging for the title in a steel cage against his brother. So there's a, yep. there. this was a very, very hot storyline because there was a chance that Owen Hart was going to, going to win this.
0: Exactly. And I think, yeah, all the pieces and all the time that they took to build it up, to uh, build up Owen Hart's credibility, to, you know, find, figure out a way to put the title on Brett, but still have Owen Hart, you know, have a claim to it. And then you had like Jim Neidhart in there and everything. And I mean, it's all great. It's all great. I mean it's funny because neither guy is like particularly great on the mic. Um, so they didn't have that to kind of rest on really. Um a lot of the stuff that they did was in between the ropes or, you know, physically, the physical stuff that they did, which I think is so impressive is that, you know, they, like you brought up J- Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns earlier. And that's, there are similarities there, similarities, um, but I think a lot of that is kind of in the vocal, the promos, the the dialogue, whereas this is more of, you know, in-ring storytelling, which is what I think makes both these guys so brilliant that they're able to do that. Absolutely.
1: They're both they're both amazing workers. And you really got to see Owen Hart uh, step it up and yeah. just take it to the next level. And like you said, I mean, Jim Neidhart and uh, the British Bulldog, I, I, at least the Bulldog, I know 100%. I don't think we're even with the company at this time. And so in, in, in a storyline sense, as in this was their foray back into the WWF I heard rumors that this was supposed to be the blow off, which I don't know if I believe necessarily with the involvement of the family, but this was supposed to be the big blow off, which in a, in a way makes sense because they have the big steel cage. That's usually the blow off to a feud. Yep. Um, But I guess it went so well that they decided to continue it on after that.
0: Right. And I've heard similar things. And like you said, I have a hard time believing that just based on the, uh, post-match stuff. But I guess we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, so the match itself, I mean, I mean, we could talk for an hour on this match. Um, but it's a steel cage match. And another, another thing that I did like about this was the, uh, the stipulation, um, no pinfalls, no submissions. You can only leave by escaping the cage. And I like, like when it comes to cage matches, it's just a perfect personal preference, but I, for to me, I want one or the other. I don't want you to have both pinfall submission and escape the cage. You know, I, I'd rather just have one or the other because it's like, why would you climb out of this cage if you could just pin him in three seconds? Right, kind of deal.
1: I like when it makes sense in a storyline, and I, I feel like this definitely made sense because it was like it gave the edge to Owen Hart because Owen Hart was the quicker, faster, uh, more athletic mm-hmm. brother. So it's like you can you can see him climbing out of the cage and beat yep. his brother that way. But if it's like a mat-based game, you would say, "Oh, Brett's going to win." So this gave the advantage to Owen. This was this is good storytelling here because it's stacking the deck against the champion. So you're you're gaining sympathy for him, and you're wanting to see you're like, oh, "How can Brett overcome this?" And mm-hmm. let's also give them the two of them credit because you know, again, for people who are newer fans, this is not the cage that we have now with the uh, you know nope. the, the the chain link fence kind of material, which Big if you blue. hit. Yeah, if you hit that, it's fine. These are big blue bars. These are bars that, uh, you know, I think it was it Bret Hart used to say. Well, when I hit that cage, you know, I get a big old knot in my forehead. You know,
0: Is so that your Bret Hart impression,
1: I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Bull Nakano impression. Um, it's all the same. It's all the same. But yeah, he'd get a, he'd get knots on it because it's literally like just inch thick bars. So credit right. to these guys when they did the old school. Not only that, let's also give credit for something else. Little known fact. When WWF went to NBC uh, for Saturday night's my main event, they thought the bouncing ring was a bad aesthetic. So they brought a stiffer ring in around oh, really? the early 90s or so. So right now, they're in a ring that does not have any give. And the reason I want to point that out is because they do the superplex spot. That is so like I've been in a ring and it's, it already sucks much less like right. a ring that's been reinforced and taking a suplex off of 15 foot high steel
0: cage. Yeah. I can't even, yeah. Cause I've taken bumps too. I mean, just a regular flat back bump. I mean, the first time you right. take it, it'll make your eyes. roll in a, back in a into Nice your head. ring
1: in a nice ring. Like for all yeah. intents and purposes, it's got the spring in the middle or, or whatever. And, and it feels it sucks, but y- you feel the give. This ring yeah. has no give.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That element to it just makes this whole match even that more impressive, even though it was already impressive in its own right. Yeah. Um But like, yeah, I brought, up, you know, escape only was a stipulation to this match. And I liked throughout the whole match, both guys are trying to win the match. You know, it's not just, you know, let's wrestle for a little bit, do a few spots and then maybe we'll try to slowly climb out of the cage. No, the whole match, there's like a sense of urgency, between both guys, like they're both just sprinting to the to the cage, climbing it. You know, Owen's like jumping to the top of it. It's like throughout the whole match, there's like an element of tension there. And it's like a match that feels like it, it could end at any time. And I think that added a lot to like the entertainment value of this match. So your daughter making a run in?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty. much <laughs> to, so What it is is that she's in my shadow, and she's trying to. You know, she heard the oh, Owen no. Hart thing, so she she sympathizes with Owen Hart. And is she uh, kicking
0: your leg out of your leg? Uh,
1: luckily, I have health insurance, so I don't really have to worry too much about. Uh, oh, thank that. God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I I have nothing but good things to say about this match. I really do. And it's one of those where it's like, I feel like I I almost don't need to talk about it because I I need people to go see it. If you don't want to watch the entire event of SummerSlam 94, and God knows you don't want to, go watch (laughs) at least this match. And again, I think it is the 90s version of Ricky Steamboat versus the Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, I can see all the spots, the the distinctive spots in my head. Um, I have it memorized, in other words. Um, mm-hmm. such, such a good, it's, it's definitely to me, Owen Hart's like best showing. And it really showed that, uh, and, you know, at the time I didn't see this cause I was, I was just five years old and I was a Bret Hart fan, but it really showed that, you know, Owen Hart did kind of belong, uh, in that upper echelon and he never got it. Um, mm-hmm. and so I don't want anyone to think I'm just saying that because of, of his passing. It's like, no, just in hindsight, no matter if he was alive today or, or whatever, I look back on that and I'm like, Wow. He's a lot better than I gave him credit for.
0: So ahead of his time, especially with this crop of guys that are on the roster nowadays. It's like him, Brett, 123Kid, Razor Ramon. Those are like the guys that like, those are the new generation guys. Yeah. It's not the the Tatanka, not Lex Luger, (laughs) um, Yokozuna, like all these guys that they are trying to put that spotlight on. It's really a different style that's like starting to kind of come to birth. Like and during he, this time period,
1: he was such a hybrid wrestler too. Like he could do the mat based stuff and all that, but he was like,
0: he was better than Bret Hart, you
1: know, and Bret Hart was good. Amazing. But like mm-hmm. Owen added extra layers to that with his, uh, off the top rope, uh, offense and things like that. I mean, so it's, I, I never understood at that time, like the love Owen Hart got, I guess I was too young. Uh, but looking back, I was like, Oh, I, I get it now. He was definitely the hybrid for those like, uh, or the, the example for the Eddie Guerrero's and the Chris Benoit's and the, you know, that mm-hmm. and Chris Jericho's that
0: generation of wrestler. I mean, yeah, this whole year, I mean, I started this kind of like watch through watch through of this era be- simply because of this storyline here, Bretton and Owen, and I've never really seen Owen a lot in his prime, which is around this time. So, yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Um, like you said, if you want to watch one match from this show. I mean, you don't even need the context of the storyline, honestly, to enjoy the match. It's all amazing. Exactly. Uh, live to the hype. Even, you know, like I said, I never watched it before, but watching it in 2020, it still held up. Absolutely. But that match pales in comparison to what don't do we got for you next. <laughs> Get this, everybody. Get this. Get this. You ready? Undertaker <laughs> versus the undertaker oh yes my undertaker can i say for first of all paul bearer is in his prime right now he's incredible like <laughs> I, you forget how good he was and how perfect he was for undertaker
1: yeah absolutely he's built for that role and i can't imagine yeah. like undertaker having stayed with ted DiBiase. um uh, yeah because uh Paul Bear was, was made. I mean, I mean, literally the man in real life was a mortician at, at one point, wasn't he?
0: Yes, I think so. Something like that.
1: So it's like it, it, real life stuff. Like, of course he was channeling from that, like such, such a good character. So Paul good. Bear is so underrated because we remember the undertaker, but you know, we just remember the impression of Paul Bear, but we forget how vital he was when the undertaker could not cut promos and not because yeah. he was incapable, but because his character didn't call for it. Paul Bear was vital to the success of The Undertaker.
0: hmm Yeah. I think he's got a documentary coming out on the network sometime this month, which would definitely be a good watch. That's
1: even better. I didn't I didn't know that. And that is
0: I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's actually called The Mortician. So I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right on that. Um <laughs> I was a mortician. Oh yeah. You know, fun fact I saw live Paul Bearer get buried in uh cement. It was a... Uh, it was a wacky time.
1: It was Great it was American like, Bash 2004. I remember that.
0: My first ever wrestling show. And boy, howdy. did that! Set saw, a a of yeah, saw a lot of Charlie
1: Haas. Yeah, saw a lot of Charlie Haas and
0: Mordecai. I saw Mordecai.
1: Oh, man. Morde- isn't, isn't that? No, that was Judgment Day. But yeah, Mordecai was... Uh, yeah, let's get back to Slam 94. I don't want to talk about... You,
0: <laughs> you don't want to talk about Mordecai for a couple no, more minutes? Yeah, <laughs> who,
1: who's the fella that looks like uh, The Undertaker, but he's uh, all white, Huh. No?
0: Anyways, <laughs> so we got once again the Undertaker versus uh, Brian Lee, I believe was the uh, the Undertaker. Yeah,
1: changes. Uh, he was known later on in DOA. So, if anyone wants to know who Brian Brian Lee was, um, and he career. was uh, and he was in ECW as well. So,
0: yes, was he? He wasn't in Chronic, was he?
1: No, you are thinking of Brian Adams.
0: Brian Adams, that's who it is. Brian Adams
1: other. is uh crush.
0: Yes, yes um not some yes, of 69 uh, brian adams i do like that one better though if we're gonna be honest um so yes the whole premise here is that uh so the undertaker was beaten by yoko zuna at the royal rumble in a casket match so yoko beats him puts him in the casket and then uh undertaker ascends to heaven it's a whole little deal on the titantron there he's like i will not rest in peace and then he like <laughs> it goes black and white and then he that like
1: scared the <laughs> shit out of me when i was uh when i was that age Dude. Like, holy yeah. crap that that image of like well yeah undertaker in the casket when he, he does that promo
0: yeah. holy crap i remember the- a
1: lot of sleepless nights
0: <laughs> that's the age gap between us because undertaker's scaring me was uh when he abducted stephanie where to? Stephanie, Where he looks back in the limo. Stephanie.
1: Dad! Oh man, I remember that. Uh, that was
0: funny to me. See, that's how again, that's the age difference because uh, I found that funny. <laughs> that that whole like, you know, not to get too off off target here, but like Ministry Undertaker, like cuz I watched all those shows back, like all the pay-per-views and stuff, it wasn't as cool as I remember.
1: No, just, I give it credit. It was still cool, like even though I cracked up at stuff, I it, I still liked it. I still like that it felt like more akin to the attitude era like it didn't well, feel it. cheesy it felt like okay this man really is crazy like he like he's going more the satanic route of like drink my Kool-Aid you yes. know sort of thing as opposed well, to like- being supernatural per se
0: Right. Well, in the beginning, it was great. You know, you had him trying to disembowel Stone Cold. You had uh, you know, him like slicing up Midian and like making him drink his own blood or whatever he did with him. Right. Like all that's st- all that stuff in the beginning was great. And but then once it like combined with the the corporation, it was, he kind of oh, just yeah. fell like yeah. in the in the shadows. And then it was dead. But it was like very short lived. Maybe is a better way to put it.
1: Right. Yeah, he got lost in the shuffle. Same thing with Tatanka going to the the corporation around this time. Like it's the same thing. It's like you water down a character when you just add all these people around him the undertaker didn't need to be with the, the 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 ministry of darkness was amazing uh when they had all these disciples and he was coming out and they were sacrificing people and putting him on the cross amazing um but when you yeah put the mcmahon's it there you're not going to be the the main focal point
0: of any storyline no absolutely not it's uh, you know being a foil for stone cold too that adds a lot to it yeah it's so, um a lot but we're a few years from that here. We have, uh, so, like I said, the whole premise here is so, like I said, Yokozuna beat Undertaker in a casket match, sends to heaven, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, he's gone for a few months, which I think in actual life he's recouping from some back injuries or something like that. Right. Um, he's gone from like January until now, which is like what, August. And um, so they're all <laughs> like in the, in the month, like months leading up to this show, they're doing all these vignettes. Where's The Undertaker? Like, it's just filming random people that say they saw The Undertaker. It'd be like a kid in the park, like, I saw saw The Undertaker sliding down a slide. He was huge. And (laughs) then it would go to like a guy in a donut shop, like, Hey, The the Undertaker came in. He ordered six donuts. It was like. (laughs)
1: That's actually really (laughs) impressive because I remember that promo, and that's exactly what that guy
0: sounded like. It was insane, and yet all the—I think we touched on it earlier—but the Leslie Nielsen stuff. Basically, you know, if you've seen Naked Gun, it's that, but he's looking for the Undertaker, and it's just a lot—a lot of you know shenanigans involved. And then basically, you have Ted DiBiase who claims that he saw the Undertaker and that he's going to bring him back, and he brings him back. I think it's on an episode of WWF Superstars. Um, he brings him back, and this this. Undertaker comes out.
1: Let's talk about that because it it was kind of ingenious for Ted DiBiase to bring him back because you also have to remember that this is only three, uh, four years removed from Ted DiBiase bringing in The Undertaker, period. Um, Right. So, you know, debuting him. And so it wasn't very um, out of the possibility uh, of Ted DiBiase bringing The Undertaker back. And also let's, let's also talk about something because again, I feel like even if you're our age and you go back and watch it, you're going to be like, ah, well, Brian Lee, who, by the way, apparently is the real life cousin of the undertaker, which I never really, yeah, supposedly, I don't know the internet's the internet, but, uh, multiple, multiple places say it. So I'll, I'll just say, I'll put an asterisk, but apparently he's the real life cousin of the undertaker. Um. yeah, when you you gotta remember that we had CRT TVs, little bubble TVs, and you know, scan lines and the quality wasn't too good. So mm-hmm. when you go look back on the network and you're watching it in your on your 4K TV and it's upscaled, you're like, oh, that guy looks in like that doesn't look like The Undertaker at all. But right. when we were watching it back then on a 19 inch TV, you know, bubbled really small scan lines, we believed it. It looked yep. like the Undertaker. So again, I just don't, I want people when they watch it back to kind of give it a little bit more like they, th- to understand that they got away with it back then uh, compared to when you go back and watch it now.
0: Yeah. And even the first time I saw this show, actually, you're bringing up like the video stores earlier and I, it was like 2000, 2001, I went to Blockbuster and there was always a section that was dedicated to like wrestling and I saw this, the cover art was Undertaker versus Undertaker. I was like, what the fuck is that? Because I, start, I started watching wrestling in like 98, 99. So, that that whole era was completely foreign to me. So, I got it and I watched it and I was like, how the, f- how the hell do they do this? How are there two Undertakers in there? Right. So, like, like you said, and you know, it was probably like 2000, 2001. So, even back then, TVs weren't near what they are today. And I was able to get sucked into it at that point too, you know, plus me being... Younger and all that, but still, I mean, you know, when you look at it, when you put yourselves in the shoes, kind of what you're alluding to of the times, it does make sense. And yeah, I feel like you know if you, you look at Gray Undertaker and you see that's not the Undertaker, but that's not how it was in 1994.
1: Right. Yeah. And that that's I just want to point that out because again, I I feel like people go back and say, well, this was stupid. How did anyone believe this? And it that's why. I mean, it really was a good storyline. Um, yeah. it was a lot better, even though we were laughing about it, it's a lot better of a storyline than it had any business being. Um, when, yeah. when Ted DiBiase brought out Brian Lee, I thought it was the undertaker because remember he'd been gone for about six months too. So it's not like, especially in the buildup, it's not like we saw the real undertaker the whole time. So we, we yeah. believe that
0: this guy was the undertaker. He looked about the same size. His face isn't fresh in everybody's mind exactly
1: exactly and it's not like we're going back and comparing footage or anything like that so we truly believed like the undertaker was you know with ted dibiase
0: you get yep and then we have paul Bear, basically going at odds with ted dibiase like oh it's impossible i'm not gonna do this whole thing but it's basically it's (laughs) it's impossible that you would contact the undertaker when i haven't been able to and then like a week before this paul Bearer is like, oh, I found the Undertaker. And then so it's, it's that sets up the two Undertakers against each other. It's essentially Ted DiBiase's Undertaker. And, Paul and, and Undertaker. again,
1: we'd only gotten hints of Paul Bearer's Undertaker. He showed shadows and things like that in the promo. So again, when we were going into SummerSlam again, because I saw it live, the thinking behind it was what the what the hell is Paul Bearer bringing yeah. to SummerSlam? Because how are they going to pull this off? Because, you know, there's a supernatural element to this. Undertaker character, and we're like, the Undertaker's right there. How that what the hell's Paul Bear bringing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> exactly.
1: So, so uh it was it, it was surprising to see what showed up at, at SummerSlam, put it that way.
0: Yeah, well, I will say, you know, I mean the match, we'll get to the match, but oh, the whole presentation, the entrances and everything building up to it, I thought was great. I thought right. it was awesome. You know, Teddy Biassi brings out his Undertaker, and then you have the real Undertaker coming out, and you know the, the set,
1: New for look, slam new look, new song.
0: You um, basically have like an entrance way with like a a window in front of it, like a uh, kind of a see through window where you can just see the silhouette. <laughs> yeah, I thought that 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 imagery of the Undertaker coming out, like just his the his hat, and his shoulders and whatever. I thought all that was spot on.
1: It's a fun fact. I mean, I had my action figures, and my mom had like cut out a little piece of uh. What do you call it? Like like I guess fabric. And we made yeah. the, this little thing out of cardboard for my wrestlers' action figures to come out of. And so I used to take like the little fabric, put it in front with a string, <laughs> you know, and yeah. like I shine the flashlight on the wrestlers. Cause I always loved the look of that set. You know, SummerSlam ninety five, right. same thing, Shawn Michaels Shadow and things like that. So that set always lent itself to some cool, cool visuals and that definitely added to the Undertaker's return because once you saw the silhouette, you started going like, okay. Like, that's yeah. the undertaker like you could just feel it, it's so funny he doesn't get enough credit but even on screen as soon as you saw that guy you were like that's the undertaker mm-hmm. you just feel his presence you know he's got such a good stage
0: presence and he's only like you said early he's like four years in at this point almost five yeah and Absolutely. no no not not even four actually because survivor series is when he's he right right yeah so he's coming yeah.
1: on four years here
0: the the fact that he's already you know such like a uh, a figure like a like a like a mythical creature at this point, and he's not even a percentage of his career is uh, is a testament to the talent of Mark Calloway. I think, Absolutely. um, but his talent was not enough <laughs> to make <laughs> to get this crowd hyped for this match because. So I I had a little note here. You ready for it? Yeah, the match. Was dead. Do you get it? Oh my god! I thought my was god. More
1: that. I was like, please give me more because I can't go off of
0: that. It's like because the Undertaker is undead. And I would the say was dead. The crowd is dead. Crowded, uh, okay, all right. Dead. We all we're all having fun here. We're all in yeah. funnier. Um, so, but you
1: know, you know what it is. It's because kind of like what I'm saying is like when we go look at back at it and we see it in great quality, we're like, oh, this is kind of stupid. These people were seeing it in person. It was probably yeah. very obvious. It's not the other guy's not the undertaker. You know what I mean? So it's like probably in hindsight again, do you do, you do this storyline? Because the fans could not suspend their disbelief here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Ultimately I think it was, you know, it served a purpose and re- make, let giving an yeah. avenue for the undertaker to return. Obviously there's other ways that could have done it, but like the entrance of the undertaker was really the main event here. Um, Cause the match, was pretty non-existent ultimately. Um the Paul Bearers, the real Undertaker, wins with three tombstones. And um that's pretty much it. I mean, at no point was Brian Lee did he seem like a threat. It was really like, oh shit, the Undertaker's here. And it was it was almost akin to like Undertaker versus John Cena a few years ago, where the opponents like oh, so yeah. like out of his he's like scared and he wasn't expecting it. And he's caught off guard, and that pretty much leads to his downfall. So that's pretty much what I saw here.
1: And let's also talk about the fact that, you know, um, this led up to uh, Undertaker facing Yokozuna later on at Survivor Series 94 and the involvement of Chuck Norris. Like, how how can we? (laughs) Like,
0: come on now. That is the most WWE 94 sentence I've ever heard. Right. (laughs) Ninety four was a
1: weird year. I understand why people don't try not to remember it, but there's little nuggets in between here that were good. Not just because Owen Hart was called the Nugget. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're not we're not there yet. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> King Nugget. Um oh, But yeah, I mean that pretty much brings the show to a close. I mean I had I, I enjoyed watching this show back, honestly. Yeah, it's a um, good watch. It's just like an interesting time capsule because like I said, I, I didn't really I mean I, I didn't watch this live so it's funny to see, maybe not funny, but it's interesting to see. In some cases, funny, I guess, to, to see these characters that I've like heard about and have read about or whatever, but I haven't really seen much of in action, like a Bam Bam, Bull McCowno, you know, the Owen Hart stuff, like all that stuff. It's it's very fun to go back and watch where this company was at the time and where wrestling was at the time because we you know brought it up earlier. It's a very, it's kind of the beginnings of like what would be one of the best eras in wrestling with all the all the competition amongst WWF, WCW, and a little bit of ECW in there. It kind of all starts at at the end of this summer. So Yeah,
1: and that's like I said, I mean, you got to remember it. This is the time period where Shane Douglas is throwing down the ECW title, Hogan's debuting in in WCW. This was Mm -hmm. a hot time in professional wrestling, and sometimes we forget that these things were happening simultaneously. And that it's always cool as a wrestling fan to kind of go back and remember that. Like, oh, this was happening in the WWF while this was happening in ECW, while this was happening in mm-hmm. WWE. This is actually the last appearance of the macho uh, or at least a pay-per-view appearance of the Macho Man Randy Savage. He had a fun yes. little segment here, uh, but you can see why he left because he was like just being used part time and being used essentially yeah. with a, a talker at this point. And uh-
0: <laughs> I will say, though. Because, I, I, like I said, I watched the Raw's leading up to this, and he's on commentary for all of them. And God damn it there is nobody more entertaining than the Macho Absolutely. Man. Absolutely.
1: And, and that's probably what Vince was saying, was like, hey, we, let's transition. You get some eyes on the younger people, and but we mm-hmm. can still have the Macho Man's presence. Uh, but obviously, Macho Man didn't agree with that. He wanted to be in the ring, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I mean, in hindsight, it's probably wasn't the best idea to try to freaking retire the Macho Man, Randy Savage, essentially.
0: No, he had um, a lot left in the tank.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um but yeah, it, it's this is one of the last appearances and he would end up going to WCW just later that, that fall. Uh so weird transition time period for wrestling.
0: Weird transition time period. And uh yeah, I mean that's really like the whole premise of of this podcast is like, I saw, you know, we'll do this episode on SummerSlam and then the next one will be bash at the beach. And then the next one, I'm gonna do an ECW episode. So, and I like, you know, going back and seeing like all those transitions and like how each company kind of influenced the other company and like guys slipping back and forth and crazy time, crazy time in wrestling. Absolutely. uh, so uh yeah any other any other thoughts any other bull nakano or any other thoughts
1: yeah I think uh bull nakano and landra blade should have been the main event uh it really should they should have switched the undertaker match and the uh bull nakano match and I think they should have had
0: was- uh they should have had bull Nakano versus bull Nakano that's what they should have done right they should have done we'll miss a missed opportunity Fuji being like I have the real
1: bull Nakano you know they, that, yeah. the printed money in fact going to tweet that right now. Is it too late? Is, is Bull Nakano still alive? Well, first of all, Mr. Fuji's definitely dead. Um oh. So, yeah, Bull, Bull Nakano absolutely still alive. How dare you? They'll just uh, have
0: like Asuka as the other Bull Nakano. Yeah, that wouldn't work. <laughs> no, they're kind of, Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> we're going to keep that one in the old noggin. Please, please do. Yeah, yeah. How dare you
1: disrespect Bull Nakano? <laughs> God
0: rest her soul. She's not God, dead. Rest God, God rest her soul. So still, so you can still bless it. You can still bless it. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> yeah, man. I'll, yeah, honestly, thank you for uh, making. I know you have your daughter and all that, and whatever you know, you know, signing mortgages or whatever the hell you say you do for your for a living. Um,
1: Begging on the corner of the interstate. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for making the time to do this, and uh we'll surely do this again. I'm, I'm sure.
1: No, no problem, man. I love being on on this podcast, shooting the shit with you. Uh, It's always fun, especially got to talk uh, about one of my, believe it or not, favorite events. Even though it's not uh, up there, like it's not the greatest event in the world. I just have fond memories because I think this is when I really started analyzing and and really enjoying professional wrestling more. um, Uh um, Because I was getting a little older and kind of understanding it a little bit better. Understanding that wrestling wasn't real. You know what I mean? And kind of like still having fun with it. Uh, mm-hmm. This was this fond memories, man. I, I remember this event uh, vividly.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I watched WrestleMania ten and King of the Ring ninety four recently, and I was pretty underwhelmed by both of them. But uh, I had a, I had a lot of fun watching this show for whatever reason. I think it was you know top to bottom. I think it had uh, a little something for everybody.
1: Absolutely, I agree, man. And uh, so, thanks for having me on and and getting a recap of this event. Uh, forgot how good it was. Sands, Lex Luger, and Tataka Butt. Uh, yeah ah,
0: that, was, that was all great. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Uh, uh, it's like the ex girlfriend that I'm like. Why did I date her?
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll dedicate another episode just talking about the Lex Luger Tatanka saga.
1: Please, please. Uh, and then we have to do it in the voice of Art Donovan.
0: Oh man, that's must listen, must listen. <laughs> Who's
1: the fellow with the uh, the American flag? Huh? Is he one of the wrestlers? Who's the fellow with the tomahawk chops? Huh? Yeah. tear in his eye or something
0: (laughs) I remember that commercial (laughs) we're giving Art Toddman too much credit
1: we are because he's a lot seems a lot smarter than he would he would be he's not he's not
0: right (laughs) just end it there yes who baby once again thank you to uh, Kenny for joining me once again On the podcast Uh, Loved having him for the King of the Ring 2001 episode And uh, it was fun to get him back on here For a uh, different era of WWE, WWF Um, And if you liked the uh, nonsense that spewed out of our mouths On the episode that you just listened to And uh, if if you haven't listened to that King of the Ring 2001 episode uh, It's pretty much the same thing Pretty much just a bunch of hullabaloo and shenanigans uh, but a really good time as well. So uh, listen to that. Listen to all my episodes, you fucks. Listen to them twice. And... Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, not really. So that brings Daddy to a close. To, that was just a weird thing to say. What a, what a weird phrase that was. I'm never going to say that again. I'm just going to end this now before it gets more terrible than it already is. Thank you guys once again for listening. I and hard